Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode... I'm just going to guess it's like 794 of Midweek Metagame. Uh, I'm Patrick Robertson, your irregular co-host, joined, as always, by my ever-faithful uh, companion, Gab Nassif. Hey, Pat. Hey, everyone. No Harry this week. Uh, he's uh, struck down with exam flu, so he'll be busy studying and getting better. Uh, before we get into the episode, this is where we will uh, talk about our sponsors of the podcast, cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. Fantastic place to go and spend money on trading card paraphernalia and trading cards. They've been sponsors of the cards for a long time, and we are incredibly grateful for their support. And if you want to help us out, go over there and help them out as well at the same time. Um, of course, if you don't want to spend money at Card Market, you can spend money directly on us at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame, where you can get all sorts of perks, like a Pioneer Discord chat, where Harry posts his five O's with uh, monogreen devotion every day, and the rest of us get very jealous. Oh, well, well, well. I guess that kind of leads us to the summary of the episode today. I've played a bit of Modern, played a bit of Pioneer, been watching a bunch of new... It's a new Capanna standard. I don't know what the set's actually called, but the new set's out. Uh, at least it's coming out today on Arena and Magic Online, and pre-releases were a weekend ago. Uh, Gab's got the upcoming set championship, which is uh, standard with the new set as well as historic, and so we'll talk a little bit about you know cards from the set he likes in that context, but we'll go through challenge results as well. So, Gab, I guess I'll throw it over to you. What's been going on this week for you? Where do you want to get started? I played a lot of Modern, I played a lot of Tamishi Bloom, and I decided not to play the combo deck in the challenge. I only played one challenge this weekend. I decided to stick with four color, and I got punished. I didn't Rightly well. so. Yeah, exactly. Rightly so. I saw, I saw, I saw Canister decided that he uh, that four color is the worst deck in the format and sold his Yurians uh, to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, my results have not been good, but the sample is low. It's basically just the modern challenges, and I just get paired against Burn three out of four rounds, which is a tough matchup, maybe a bad yeah. matchup. This yeah, week... I, I feel like I feel like the last couple of weeks I've been tuning into watching you play the challenges has been you playing as Burn like every single week for like three weeks, and you just like ending the stream immediately afterwards. It's been I always say funny to watch, but it's been kind of comical how often you're getting paired against Burn. Yeah, this weekend it was a close match against Titan where we split the first two games and I'm all in five and then round two, Burn. I'm a little salty because I feel like Burn is just not a great deck. I think it's an underdog to pretty much every tier one deck except for Color Omnath. You've got to get Omnath out of that tier one status so that yeah, people stop playing Yeah, I was going to say, assuming Omnath's still a tier one, but it's bad against Murktide. You're an underdog to Hammer Time. You're an underdog to living in. You're an underdog to rhinos. So it's kind of dumb that you know I keep getting paradigms that deck and losing that deck. Maybe Look, what would what would modern be if we didn't have the occasional deck that just steamrolled us that we assumed our opponents would never play because why would they ever choose to sleeve that deck up? Yeah, no. And obviously, you know, I don't blame the players. It's maybe budget reasons. Just a little frustrating to. Um, to get paired against Burn every time. But uh, yeah, talk about the Bloom deck. I guess I should have trusted or, you know, have a little faith. I felt like I was doing good in the leagues, but I felt like it was maybe still kind of a fluke. Maybe my opponents were playing poorly and challenge opponents would be better. I've had people just concede to just me having 
Tameshi and Lotus Bloom without making sure I have the one payoff, which has happened a few times actually. And I've also had people concede after I cast the first Colossus and yeah, you almost, you basically never, never lose once you've cast one Colossus of Lotus and Tameshi. I don't think it's, it's happened. A fun it's a frustrating thing though, this kind of like where it's not quite deterministic, but like, yeah, it's, it might as well be deterministic, but you kind of feel compelled to sit through it every now and then and see if they've got, they're actually going to kill you or not. Yeah. When you're sitting on the other side, I'm guessing it doesn't feel like it's deterministic, but I think it's one of these, you know, more atoms in the universe, you know, better chance than, you know, whatever the atom in the universe is. I've, it's so, so, so hard. To, to fizzle. I actually had one crazy game this week where I almost didn't win because I made a few changes to the deck. I've tried to cut Finale of Devastation on the suggestion of uh, Chalky Adam and you know the theory being that it's the worst card in the deck and that you don't really need it as a win condition because you can figure out a better win condition that's not as dead in the early game. And even if you don't, you know, you can pass the turn or a couple of Colossus that play a Nomnath with the Fairy and beat most decks. But yeah, they made me work for it. And so what we came up with originally, he wanted me to try spell bombs, like a red spell bomb and a blue spell bomb. This way in the early game, it's a card you can cantrip. It has a little utility. You can get it with the, the Goblin Engineer. And then in the late game, what you use, what you do is you use spell bomb to bounce Colossus, and you also use a red spell bomb to deal damage, bring it back, you know, flood a load of mana, and then instead of bringing back Lotus, you start bringing back red spell bomb, and you're also getting full value out of the Omnath triggers, you know, maybe bouncing your Omnath, resetting the Omnath. So that sounded a little convoluted and a very click heavy, and it's not like you have infinite cards to draw, so. It's not even clear that it would always work, and we. I was going to say the the loop for spellbomb. You kind of it, it's winds up being what three mana total to cycle through to the deal two damage with the spellbomb and rebuy it. Yeah. And so how many times can you really do that? Yeah, I'm actually not in sure. In a game where you play, we we have to draw a bunch of cards and play a bunch of lands, and you know hope you hope you've still got enough mana floating at the end of all of it. Yeah, exactly. I think he did the match. The, the match. He did the math, and it worked. But no, what we. But we stumbled upon, I don't exactly remember how it happened. I felt like I threw something out there and someone in chat came up with Footfall Crater, which is a card people used to play in the Jeskai Cycling deck. It's one red, Enchantment Aura, Enchant Land. It has Cycling 1, and it gives the land the ability to tap to give target creature haste and trample. So Colossus already has trample, but you give it haste. And it's really cool because it cycles for one mana in the early game. It's actually a card you can bring back with Tameshi. There are some spots where you just have Tameshi and you don't have anything in the graveyard. So that's something you can bring back, draw a card, you know, low value. And you can get it. So it's a little tricky because past a certain point, all your lands come into play tapped with the Colossus. So what you have to end up doing is to wargate for a non-tap land and then cast a footfall on the untap land. You can also then bounce the land with a footfall, so the footfall goes to the graveyard, and you can maybe wargate for another land. 
put it back. So if ever you need to give two Colossus haste for some reason, you, you can get it done. But yeah, I, I, I played, like this session yeah. more. When, when I saw it in your deck list, I kind of blanked on the notion that Tameshi could bring it back. And I was just like, you've replaced the worst card in the deck for an even worse card in the deck. Uh, but I, I'm starting to get on board with the idea. I, I love that after all this kind of talk about Spellbombs, you're like, this is too convoluted and too click-heavy. And now we've got this kind of like, have to wargate for an untapped land business to like put my footfall creators on to kill them. But it does seem like a pretty good, pretty good card, considering you can just cycle it away in the early game. Yeah. Part no. of me... Sorry, yeah, but part, I was just, just, just want to finish up. I'm talking about, about kind of like it, it versus kind of dev finale devastation. The um, it feels to me like, on the surface level at least, that having access to a card like finale devastation wouldn't be particularly clunky in the kind of early mid game. At least you can kind of ramp lands and cast it to go get your know, goblin engineer or Tameshi. But is it, is it really that that clunky and like that that bad of a card in the deck that it's worth worth cutting? I wasn't sold uh, on the fact that it was clunky. I thought it was pretty serviceable. You know, five mana to get a Tameshi, that's what you would pay. was an Eladamry's call, and it did make the, winning the game much easier. I thought it was fun, but I was willing to give it a try. You know, I was, I was getting to the point where I liked the deck. I thought it was strong, but I didn't want to just keep jamming the same list over and over again. So I gave it a try, and... I. I think it's better, you know. I think it's it's real. I, I was cycling the creator a lot when I did my opening hand, and I was just winning just as much. So, not really missing. the The only game where I came close to to needing it is against Four Color when they made me do it. And I was, you know, just going for the motion. I get to fairy in play, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna kill them. Lost a lot of time, but at least I'm gonna kill them. And then they just had Ottawara, so. They, they they bounce my thingy. Obviously, I don't have an, another attack step, and I end up having to endurance myself or to not get decked and be able to keep going. Because at this point, I only had like three or four cards left in my deck. So to make sure I had an overwhelming advantage, because my opponent had like a solitude, they had a Yorion available to them, they had two two Ice Fang Cuddles in play. So I actually couldn't let them untap just with everything, even though my board was great. I needed to like keep going, endurance myself, keep going, shoot an ice fang with a wren, play another wren, shoot the other ice fang, get rid of the solitude. I don't even remember. I think I actually shot the solitude with two wrens and maybe ended a nice fang. Anyways, um, yeah, I had to make sure that they didn't get a big turn and then I passed the turn, untapped and then killed them. And I actually only had five minutes left on my clock. That was game one. And game two, uh, the front technology paid off. I just tutored for a front, played it on turn four, and uh, just beat them down and won, won the match. So that was like probably the sickest that, match I've played with the deck. That has to be the first time in living memory that Thrawn has actually won a game of Magic, I, I swear. <laughs> that is like my, th Thrawn the Last Pearl is my least favorite card of all time. Every time people cast it against me, I just kill them. It's fantastic. But I'm, I'm glad you won that game. I, it, you, in your description of game one, though, you, you, you're talking about lots of Ren and Sixes. And last time I checked in, with you playing this deck, there weren't very many red and sixes. So you kind of, kind of, essentially almost molded the deck in the shape of the the, the four color good cards deck, where you, you're playing the good cards. You're playing red and sixes. You're playing Teferi Time Ravelers. And instead of just having this kind of like your know, value grindy game, you've got the combo game now. So like, is this this is probably a big step up from kind of the original shell that Mark Tobias was playing on his stream, I guess. I think I'm making the deck better. 
slowly but surely. Teferi was always part of the deck. It's amazing. It yeah. protects your combo. It's how you beat the blue decks a lot. You just get Lotus Bloom and you can just play a Teferi and a Tameshi in the same turn or two Tameshi and they usually don't have double counter spell up. So Teferi's great. Ren 6, just amazing card. Originally, I was playing a bunch of Grazers when I added all the Ren and 6, but even with a Ren and 6, I was not super high on more than one Grazer. So right now I have one Grazer, one Birds, one Prismatic ending. The reason is that you know, the first Grazer is probably the best one drop, but then you never want to draw two. Birds is perfectly serviceable. A lot of people just play four birds. And I think that's fine. And the one ending was, you know, why not just all... I don't love it, but it's kind of okay. I'm also trying a Mistress Bubble as my last card because you get to the point where there's nothing that amazing. And Bubble just, you know, you get to do the Bubble trick. It's another artifact you can get with Tameshi. Maybe even a spot where you get it with Engineer and it, it's been fine. It, it makes sense in the deck. You know, it, it plays it plays well with the rest of the deck. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Are you still playing Omnath? Yeah, only one. I was up to two and I didn't feel like it was like that amazing. The, the one thing is that's missing from this deck and that I don't know really what to do. I don't think there's a good answer is a permanent you can bounce with Teferi in some of the grindy games or... If you have a, you know, kind of a slow start or they're not doing much and, you know, the spot where you'd be able to bounce a bottom growth and get a little value, bounce a nice thing. There's not sure. I'm not sure there's room for any of these cards in, in the list. So, yeah. No space for like a spreading season or anything like that. I mean, you could, you could, you know, I'm playing Ren and Six for kind of value. The, the, the reasoning for Ren and Six too is that sometimes you play games where you have Colossus, but by the time you get seven mana, or four plus Lotus Boom, you don't have lands put in place, so it actually doesn't do much. And maybe these games, if you had a Ren and Six going, then you play Colossus. Yeah. It actually hasn't played out this way, I don't think, a single time yet. Maybe maybe one time that I forget of, but. So, do you think this is actually the real deal? Because we've not seen it do well in a challenge yet, really. Yeah. I, I The one challenge I played, I went six and two. I was on a streak at some point where I was. 18 and one, I believe in, in leagues. And I think I lost my last match. So 18 and two in my last four leagues was the deck. And even before that, it was a bunch of free twos, four ones and a five Oh. So I don't think I've ever went worse than three and two in a league was the deck. So my results have been super, super good, but you know, maybe people are not playing great and the hate's not there. There's not a ton of super scary card, maybe surgical extraction, but that's a card that no, not too many decks can afford to play. Besides, I, it's interesting. It's interesting about you the 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 mention of the hate. It's because on the surface it seems so incredibly fragile. Like it's like relies on having a creature in play that has a sorcery speed activated ability. It uses the graveyard. It relies on artifacts to generate mana. Like it really should be able to be hated out, but it's it doesn't seem to quite play out like that. I, I never really felt like I could kind of just like cast a card and it would just absolutely shut the door on, on the deck, even just kind of in theory, like racking my brains. Yeah. The fairy time raveler is great answer to a lot of these cards. Yeah, removal, really is, is. removal is cool, but you get a two for one if they kill your Tameshi and you play a, a decent grindy game. This, the reason why it's so resilient is that is because none of your cards do nothing, you know, Historically, a lot of the time in combo decks, you'll have cards that literally do nothing on their own, you know, whether it's like, I don't know, Twiddle or, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, all these 
on these cards that you know yeah absolutely i mean illusions donate like the nade alone is not going to do anything yeah exactly i I mean i I played show and tell in legacy before and you just like some games you just have a hand that's just like emrakul emrakul gristle brand and you're like ah okay like i've got eight blanks in my deck yeah and and this deck it's not the case you know the tutors can get value creatures colossus might be kind of the worst card in the deck in that merit you know in that optic i guess but still something you can eventually cast wargate same thing can get can get whatever lotus bloom is just more mana that that mana burst that's really key against yeah. counter spells so that's i was, the reason I was gonna say that i felt like the resilience when i was playing against it with merc tide came from the fact that it we it had enough cards in it that it could afford to that did things that it could afford to be patient. Like I never really felt like I was. It, it never really felt like it was under, under pressure to combo really fast because you know it could answer my creatures with like a ran ping or like a, a bit of removal or a teferi, and so I was never able, able able to establish a proper clock. And so then it just built up mana, and and you know, it's kind of seven or eight seven or eight mana was much better than my three. You know, and so I couldn't cast double counter spell, or double interaction in one turn while still worrying about the fairy, and it got me. So yeah, that the kind of the good cards plan, and then it just also happens to you know turn into a combo at some point in time. Is uh, I guess it's it's not the most it's not the, that often that we see combo decks that that are built like that. Yeah. I can't even think of the last one really. Maybe it's like maybe it's just a mirror inverter in Pioneer, which is just kind of a good deck that happens to just kill you on turn four every now and then or, or five. Yeah, the blue red Merc type matchup specifically, I've been winning, but I feel like a lot of the games if they just had the Merc type at the right time to close the door, I would have lost. I was thinking, man, if you have Merc type there, I, I'm not quite there. I don't have the combo. You know, I think the the long game doesn't necessarily unfavor you on, um, despite the fact you don't have expressive iteration in your deck because. You can get to a point where you overwhelm them and Tameshi two for once them and your card are kind of relevant, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess they haven't somehow the Merc Tide has not had everything they needed to beat me. I also wonder if they don't board out Merc Tides because they're bringing in relics. So maybe they trim heavily on the Merc Tide. I don't know if that's something you were doing in the matchup. Absolutely not. I wasn't even bothering to bring in Relic to be perfectly frank. I do think Relic is is Pretty obnoxious and pretty. If, if I played against a version that had a lot of Ren and Sixes when I when I played against it, I might have considered it more. But I just didn't see that card to begin with, yeah. and I just if it is it really am I just really fighting against? I might have brought in one, but at the same time, like I'm not. I felt like I had such a natural advantage anyway, just from on pay, you know, in my mind when I was playing against it the first time, that I felt like you know just the combination of mystical disputes and lightning bolts and pressure would would be enough to get me there, and it wasn't. But that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it probably is reasonable to bring in relics, but I don't generally shave from Mertides when I bring in relics anyway. Yeah, another nice unless I would be doing it anyway. Yeah, another nice thing about the deck is that you can afford to have a lot of silver bullets that you can tutor for, and you know I've gotten some free wins against Affinity, for instance, with Kataki. I've been able to actually beat Mill ever since I added the cause. Like the first time I got paired against Mill, I just got crushed. It was hopeless. I'm not even trying an endurance in my sideboard. Maybe I had one. And uh, last time I played against Mill, I was, you know, it was the one endurance and one cause like I was able to make it work. I was able to dodge the, the laughters, you know, getting rid of my cause like 
being able to tutor for endurance and you can you can loop them and stuff and with Teferian and whatnot, you know, you get against Dredge, you have a crib that you can tutor for. A card I haven't tried or haven't cast yet, but the Dranis Magistrate, that card's pretty strong in the format too. So pretty cool, you know, Magus of the Moon, etc. etc. So that's another nice thing about the deck against um, some of the very linear decks, I guess you can kind of hit them out in that way. And it has a pretty decent Titan matchup. You're a bit faster than them and you actually have a little disruption. So that's nice too. Yeah, it definitely seems like a very customizable deck. Yeah, all, all, all things considered, that toolbox element. What about, um, I, mean, I guess it's probably a good reason for the segue into another uh, another thing, not the talking point for the week, but how's, it, how's the Yogmoth matchup? I'm not sure. I think I might have played against it once. I think I beat it, but I remember thinking that, you know, Necrophobia out of their sideboard could be scary. That's a cranial expression card, right? Yeah. They usually play a couple copies. So, you know, you combo on turn four pretty consistently. They don't have a ton of disruption in game one, and you have not much. You have Ren and Six to Fairy. So I, I would guess it's somewhat of a close matchup. But why are you asking, Pat? Why are you oh, maybe just because uh, Yogmoth won both challenges this weekend and yeah. also finished 1 2 in uh, one of the challenges in particular. Yeah. Um, if I look at the list, there's nothing particularly like remarkable about out of the ordinary, and, and then there's just a, a really like strong performance from this deck that has kind of flown under the radar for a while. But I feel like it's kind of firmly a serious part of the modern metagame now. Not this this kind of uh, you know deck that occasionally does well. It's kind of had a pretty good couple of months, really. Yeah, does Big Brain Pad have a reason as to why? Right now in the meta, Yangmas just dominated this weekend, or you think it's just fluke, or maybe they get, sure. the deck just getting more popular. I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it's got a pretty reasonable Merktide matchup. Like it's, it does a good job of blocking Ragavan, and you know it has instant speed interaction, you know, between quarter calling and kind of endurances and stuff like that. That it can be a little bit uh, of a challenging matchup to play from the from the uh, Merktide side. Just not being able to establish that early game clock means that they. You know, their kind of mid-rangey, grindy game works pretty well against you. Uh, maybe I'm not really sure how the how the matchup between Yogmoth and Four Color played out, but maybe a decline in Four Color is a uh, is a reason for you know a bit of a resurgence. You played that matchup a bunch, presumably. Yeah, I heard that argument. It's not even super favorite for Four Color. I believe it's maybe slightly favorite for Four Color. It it does probably have a good matchup against. Living in, which is really popular because you have discard spells, endurance, veil of summer, necro necromancia. I think. I mean, I don't know what the exact cyber looks like, but they can bring in. Let's see. Let's look. I mean, Mister Yagmas himself, right? Demonic tutors was one of the players who won. So one of the two players won the challenge. So congrats to him. And yeah, his side was free endurance, four thoughtsies, two necromancia, a scavenging is. I haven't seen scavenging is in the main deck, and he, he has an endurance in the main deck as well. So that might be one of the reasons to like living yeah. in super popular, you know, arguably the best deck. A lot of people think it's the best deck in modern right now. And definitely, but definitely probably the best game one deck in modern at the moment. Yeah. I, I guess this deck's pretty, pretty sweet against it because living end really does rely on you passing the turn. What well, does need to pass the turn to win? And, um, this deck's pretty good at just kind of comboing back at you if yeah. you 
you know, between all the uh, all the unearth creatures and then you know getting to kind of end steps end step caught up creatures as well. Yeah, I can imagine having a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good um living game matchup. Yeah, but I don't really have a great answer as to why it's yeah. super popular at the moment and doing well. Yeah, I've even seen it doing well on paper. Oh, I wouldn't know what what happened in paper. Uh, there wasn't any wasn't any major events, I don't think. But there were I, I saw reports of kind of like someone someone won Polish nationals with with Yogmoth over the weekend. Oh, what? Poland. There was nationals. Nationals are back. I think that so. I think Poland runs their own kind of like locally organized uh, national yeah. championships, and yeah, it was won by a kind of a, a Magic Online gr- grinder whose name I know, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But they were playing Yogmoth as well. Okay. Yeah. No good deck. I was I was looking at the top eights, and it does feel like maybe it's consolidating a bit the format around the best decks. But it was still ten different archetypes out of sixteen decks that top it. So pretty high. Not as high as it's been. You know, in the past it's been like eleven, twelve, up to like fourteen different archetypes. I think. Um, so maybe a tiny bit of consolidating around. If, few less archetypes it feels like we've still got the same kind of pillars that we always have i mean we're, we're still merc tides hammer times i guess like you know some kind of some kind of uh ren and six deck and uh and presumably and presumably also this yogmoth deck now we can call that can we call that a pillar of the format yet yeah oh, and cascade as well obviously all the form of cascade decks yeah it is kind of weird i was talking about living in against yogmoth and it's a tough matchup, but it's a matchup I've won from the living end side before. And th- the one thing that's actually kind of weird is that now Leyline is super popular, white Leyline in the sideboard of living end, and that's the actual dream matchup for your for your Leylines because they have the discard spells, they have the Necromancia, and they have the Endurance, and Leyline's great against all these cards. But they also do have access to one Outland Liberator, maybe one Reclamation Sage to get rid of the line, Leyline. So... In some ways, it's a tough matchup for living in, but in in some other ways, now that everyone's playing white leyline, that you know that's that's the matchup where you wanted the most. Yeah, so. I mean, there's also besages as as well in these. Oh yeah, right. In in these green decks at the moment, it's it's not safe to have a hate card like an artifact or enchantment at the moment. I feel I've kind of I've, I've, I've the Murktide lists are all switching their blood moons to like blood moon slash magus of the moon splits, so that they can kind of get around people with uh, just residual hate from mags from from uh, besage as well yeah the cards like definitely had a big impact on just small deck building considerations in modern you know, the you know, just little ripple effects from having that card i mean it's not the kind of it's not a dominant magic card or anything like that besage that is but it's you know has has a pretty pretty profound impact on the format in small ways yeah no i mean i've been loving the card in four color and it's helped a ton in some of the toughest matchups it it got red, you know, we, we haven't seen the Charbelcher deck anymore. And it's, which is kind of sad that like a, a single card. Yeah, invalidates a, an entire archetype just because of how how low cost it is to play and yeah. how hard it makes life there. Yeah, we definitely we definitely haven't seen um uh Belcher in a very long time. I feel like Sodex's been uh, switching and been playing a lot more a lot more dredge lately. Do you want to talk about any? Is there anything more about modern you want to you want to get into, or do you want to talk a little bit about Pioneer before we 
No, so I, guess, I, I guess just the fact that we're contract contractually obligated to mention that Wafo top aided again was blue eye. It control. is very important that we that we mentioned that Wafo top aided with blue eye control. And I believe, if I am uh, remembering correctly, he is not playing Snapcaster Mage anymore. No, he is. Maybe you oh, saw he's, it. He's still Snapcastering. Maybe I was watching a league he was playing. Yeah, maybe he tried that stuff during the, the, the week and no, pretty stuck. He's down to two solitude, but no, nothing too wow. crazy. He's up chalice again. I don't know if it's you know, he's not too sure if it's more of medicals week to week. Yeah, I, I would honestly I would love to be able to pick his brain and find out what, what his decision making process actually is because it seems that he just tries things somewhat at random and just makes small tiny adjustments that don't necessarily lead me to lead me to think that he's thinking one way or another. Yeah, and he well, speaks so softly on stream that I just that I never hear him. You can go ask him. You can go pick his brain on his stream. That's true. I could. He just speaks too softly, and I, I quite often these days I'm not watching streams with volume on, so I'm kind of watching him in the background while things are going on. So there's no there's no time for that. I, You're terrible. So just, just just let it be known that if I ever ask you a question in chat, I'm not listening to the answer. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. It's like when people add me on Twitter, sometimes I'll be in a good mood and I'll answer, and then sometimes I just want to quote, retreat them and be like, oh, God, if only there was a, a way to pick my brain and ask me questions about X or Y, you know? Yeah, right. If, if, only, if only I was on a, a six days a week streaming on Twitch, but... Yeah, you're... Yeah, I understand. <laughs> But no, no, nothing too, too crazy about Modern Well. I guess that Tameshi Bloom deck, and may, I think this weekend I'm going to just go with it uh, in the challenge. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, put your money where your mouth is. I think that I think the Four Colors days had its uh, had its time. You played it a lot and won very little. I think it's probably time to retire. I did finally get my top eight, though. Yeah, exactly. And so you should rest on your laurels. <laughs> Rather than just, just play against Burn over and over and over again until... Until you realize that it's not the right thing to do anymore. I don't know. I think I, I was definitely losing to myself a lot and to my mistakes. And then just the burn, the freak burn, just getting paired against burn 60% of the time. In, in, in the, mar the margins in that, despite the high power level of every card in that Omnath, in the, in the four color Omnath deck, the margins are pretty thin. Yeah. For getting it right. Like you got to make all your decisions right. Yeah, it's simply my it's my kind of deck though. You know, every every game oh, is a grind. You have fifty fifty ish matchups, but yeah. Yeah. No. So have you managed to find a deck in Pioneer that doesn't make you want to throw up in your mouth yet? I played a couple of leagues with Mono Green. I went 0 3 and then I went three two and deck was okay, <laughs> but I'm not super invested and interested in Pioneer quite yet. No, it's difficult. It's difficult at the moment, isn't it? Because you've got this new, new, this new set coming out, and you know, upcoming championships that are going to be, you know, pulling your attention back to arena formats. And mm -hmm. you know, at, at some point in time, the Pro Tour itself will roll around, and Pioneer will be at the forefront of everybody's mind. But you know, right now you're just kind of trying a few things here and there, and just keeping tabs on the format a little bit. Maybe like playing one day a week on stream or something. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I was just curious to see if that green deck was as busted as Harry claimed, and. It didn't do super well for me. It was not very consistent. A couple tough matchups. How, how, how close to accurate do you think Harry's playing was then? Like, how right was Harry? About what exactly? 
Yeah, if, so he's if, if Harry says something's like a hundred percent broken, like how broken do you think it really is? I mean, obviously, I take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, he was pretty adamant, and the deck has been doing well, and a lot of people yeah. do seem to believe it's the best deck in in yeah. ten years. Sauce one, one of the challenges was pretty much the the main deck I was playing in the league. The only diff, meaningful difference I noticed was two hunt the hunter in the sideboard, which is that card that fights other green creatures. Yeah, so there's a lot of kind of like taking out for the mirror at the moment. I, I noticed that Harry's latest list has like lots of copies of Voracious Hydra in the sideboard. For, you know, it's a card that's really good in the mirror if you just like open on elves and just like eat their elf. They just can't possibly win. Yeah, yeah. so having cards like that is really, really, really quite powerful. I do like the idea of Hunter Hunter though. It lets you catch up on the draw. Yeah, and I guess it's probably de decent against Winota. Is it good in other matchups? You actually bring it in against Winota, or not even? No, maybe not. Sure, if I would bring it against Winota. This is the sort of deck that I have like very little experience playing. Yeah, and I and when I do play them, I find it really difficult to sideboard because they just seem so like single mindedly focused on doing one thing. Like, you know, the entire kind of thesis of the deck essentially is to not care about what your opponent's doing, or at least only care about it when you're searching for something with Khan. So you're, you're, you're just hell-bent on kind of, you know, playing a bunch of elves, wrapping your mana, casting some planeswalkers ahead of schedule, or like casting, is it Storm the something? Whatever the collective company for big things is. Storm the Festival, yeah. To be fair, this, this sideboard doesn't, this deck doesn't have a ton of sideboarding. Most of your sideboard is just current targets. Yeah, I feel like we're back in kind of inverter era, Pioneer when this mono green deck was also around. There was definitely an iteration of it in that format. It was like fifteen silver bullets in the sideboard and no sideboard again. I believe when Harry came when Harry spoke about it on the cast, you know, many moons ago, he was adamant that you should never sideboard a single card. Or maybe it was Spike who was saying that. I can't remember. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely limited room to move with these sort of sideboards where you've got like a big package of card targets. Yeah, I think it was maybe like one or two two sideboard cards back then not even sure but the deck's obviously done well i mean you know sources source doesn't pick up these sort of decks for no reason i don't think you know source has got a particular style that he's relatively associated with and to deviate from that requires and i would expect that it requires him to kind of really believe something's busted yeah that's and, a good point and so this is this is definitely a, a, a data point in favor of this deck being really, really good. It also top aided the other challenge uh, of the other the other day. You know, so I think Source won on the Sunday and on the Saturday. The Saturday was one by one by Winota, and it also had another mono green deck in the top eight. That that that, that particular top eight is uh, quite interesting. There's some there's some brews in there. I think um, but if I if I if I scroll to the top, so yeah, first place is like the stockest Winota deck of all time, mm. and then. Second place is basically five color red, so five color Golos Fires of Invention, trying to cast you know cleansing wildfire on cascading cataracts to ramp your mana, uh, re really leaning heavily on Fires of Invention to just cast a bunch of off color cards. So it has a copy of the Kami War, which is a five color saga from uh, the Kamigawa set, has uh, three copies of Farewell with no way of casting them outside of the world tree. In the main deck, this deck is really quite wild, and I don't know. It's, it's also it's I should point out it's a Yorion deck as well, so it's like it's got enough blue mana to cast uh, Omen of the Sea, Shark Typhoon, and uh, Yorion from the sideboard. It's a Mystical Disputes, 
but it's definitely a wild a wild piece of deck building yeah. going on here from l double a double one yes it's pretty nuts I, I love it i like the flinting wild fire technology you can use it on your opponent's lands you can use it on your own cascading cataracts yes well the, well, the kicker is that uh, decks like Winota have so, so few basics. I mean, if I look at this Winota deck, there's actually zero basics in this deck. Yeah, I wonder if zero basic is stuck or not. I think I think one is that that is the absolute maximum. Probably, you know, if you took the average deck, it's probably about kind of like you know 0. 0.9 or something like that basics per per Winota deck. But yeah. you know, they these Winota decks still find space for like you know, a Besaju, a Lair of the a Lair of the Hydra, and is there another? No, there's no other um, spell lands in that deck. Yeah, there's still there's, there's some you know notional like monocolor lands, but they're not basic lands that they could that can be fetched off cleansing wildfire. That's a pretty interesting tech. Uh, this is just another like deck that's you know if I if I think about my experience in Pioneer and what's been going on, there's a lot of playing to the board. So like Widowda obviously is like a pretty archetypal example of playing to the board, but even the, like the the red the blue red control decks like the Narset decks. They're they're not counter spell decks at all. They're just they're relying on kind of casting removal spells, removal spells, thing in the ices, you know, lots of card drawing spells. And so everyone's really worried about getting on on board. And this deck's uh this this uh wildfire deck is cleansing wildfire Golos deck is it's pretty good at getting on board. Let's just say that. It's going over the top of decks that are playing mid range games, I guess. Yeah, there's there's another wireless. There's a mono white devotion deck with yeah. Tomic Distinguished Advocates. That's a card you used to play against Nissa. I guess it's decent against Lotus Field, maybe? What does it even do? Lands on the battlefield and then cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponent controls. Your opponent can't play land cards from graveyards. So they can't copy with, with the stage, I guess? Yeah, that's definitely one thing it does. I can't. I don't know if there's any other text on it. So it's anti Nissa, anti Tespin stage, maybe a few yeah. others. But this, so this mono white deck is kind of. I, I reckon this is pretty sweet. Is this another Yorion deck? It is a Yorion deck. Yeah. So it's Yorion mono white, which is kind of like almost reminiscent of the of the Helio Blister decks from the combo era of Pioneer. But this is you know this this deck that's got its combo in Book of the Exalted Dead and Mutavolt. So that's the that lets you basically essentially make a platinum angel that's unkillable, and so you basically can't win, can't lose, and your opponent can't win. So it's pretty powerful setup. Also got a copy of Emrakul the Promise End, really you know, going over the top. Unless it's, it's not, unless they're playing Cleansing Wildfire, then they have the answer. Exactly, that's right. The secret. This that's 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 the secret <laughs> of the guy's success. Absolutely, they probably got paired in the semifinals. Actually, it's a uh, it's second and fourth place. Can you imagine? You like just broke it, and you show up with the book, and yeah. you just yeah. get paired against a <laughs> random player who just packing a bunch of cleansing wildfire. They did actually get paired in the semis. Yeah, I can I'm imagining the, the 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 look on their face is roughly the same time same look that you get when you get paired against Burn for like the umpteenth time in the challenge. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Spondency. I mean, that's that's a combo that was pretty popular on Arena in best of one meta. You would just play that's these right, mono yeah. white decks with the Book of Exalted Deeds and Faceless Haven. Didn't did they wind up banning it in best of one at some point? I can't remember if they did. Maybe. I feel that I feel like there was this moment where they banned it in best of one temporarily. They might have. Yeah, there's not the only devotion deck in the top eight actually. There's a in third place is mono black devotion, which is 
you know, going deep as well. I mean, this is things you might expect from Monoblack Devotion, Great Merchant of Asphodel, mm-hmm. uh, lots of Thought Seasers, uh, you know, a couple, few Sorens, uh, but then also four Underworld Dreams, four Warlock class. Yeah. See, like Warlock class making making waves and constructed, and three Meat Hook Massacres, Wish Claw Talismans to go tutor up, tutor up a couple of powerful one ofs. But so we've got multiple like monocolor devotion decks in this top eight that aren't green devotion as well, because obviously if I scroll down, I find green devotion at some point in time. Yeah, you maybe not in this top eight, but it's in the other one. Every just yeah. everyone just loves green merchant of Aswell for some reason. It's everyone's favorite card. Yeah, it's it definitely has its cult, its weird cult following. I just remember I was playing obviously I was playing heaps around that time, and I never really played mono black very much, but. It was, there was literally like a kind of like in, in Melbourne, there was this team of kind of like, I guess kind of like, they were like basically like young PDQ grinders who like hadn't had a breakthrough yet, but they call themselves the Grey Merchants because like they all just love Mono Black and they love the Grey Merchant card. Mm-hmm. And they wore, wore t shirts with it. It just reminded me, reminds me of that every time I see it now. And this is when we were the kind of like snooty kind of had been there, done that kind of guys on the PDQ circuit in Australia. Yeah. Uh, no, they're kind of the young upstarts. You've been playing a bit of Pioneer, right? You've been playing a bit of Blue-White Control? You were telling yeah. me it's kind of the only deck you like. And... Well, yeah, so I've, um, I, I definitely lost a lot playing the Blue-Red Narset uh, control deck. So uh, Harry, not Harry, um, it's H. Cook. Yeah, H. Cook 725. Is yet another top eight with this deck, but this is kind of nice. It days undoing combo with a bunch of card drawing spells and and, and removal spells that I alluded to earlier. I just can't win a game with this deck, and I think it's presumably pilot error. But I got kind of frustrated that I was unable to win with it, and I just pulled out stock blue white eighty cards and played that, and just comfortably four one without really having to think too hard. So I just play that deck. Uh, I think it's pretty weak against uh, green devotion. I don't think it interacts fast enough. It has no really reliable way of getting Elf off the board on turn one, and so it's like inevitably behind enough of the time that that matchup's really difficult. Uh, I lost against Mono Red or Red well, Red White Burn. Yeah, uh, I think it's all all the beatdown decks are really hard matchups. But if you put your opponents putting um you know islands into play, I think it's a pretty good deck for you. I, you know, you can kind of outgrind them. You, know, you have good answers to cards like Niv-Mizzet. Uh, you know, you can exile Niv-Mizzet pretty, pretty trivially. You know, they don't really have very many threats. You can, you have good answers to Hall of the Storm Giants. And although they can probably, you know, Narset's an di- uh, annoying card to deal with. To be frank, like, in this blue-white deck, outside of just Teferi, Hero Dominaria, your card-drawing spells don't necessarily just draw you cards. They're like mis- uh, memory deluge and stuff like that. So you don't really get Narset like hosed by Narset too badly and you don't have any cantrips in your deck either so there, there's none of that uh messing you up so i've been i've been liking blue white i don't think there's anything particularly remarkable about the deck like the list i've been playing um yeah it's it's my go-to at the moment in pioneer but you know that could change at any at any given moment i think yeah and you do like yurian over 60 by a lot or i couldn't even imagine playing 60 I, half the half the matches i win i have like 19 cards in my deck in like both in multiple games i just i think that like part of the part of the fact that you know, the all these decks are playing the board and so aggressively and putting things in play they you 
they have ways of interacting with your your planeswalkers and your win condition. So you can't really Yeah, yeah, yes, okay, I could shape on them, but having that critical mass of them lets you just kind of, you know, play a Teferi, tuck something and not have to worry that like, you know, I'm actually only got one Teferi left in my deck and if they're smart if they're like sensible, they can kind of play around it. You know, so you can just burn through wandering emperors, you can burn through Teferis, it doesn't really matter too much. And eventually you just kill them with like the you know, the seventh thing or whatever. And I can't imagine not playing with Yorian. I think that I, ultimately it does boil down to what we mentioned over the last couple of weeks, which is like what all that I would do if I cut down to 60 was play a bunch of three offs. And so why not just play 80 and play a bunch of four offs? Cause it's the same thing and get an eighth card in my hand. I think yeah, it's I just e- yeah. easy calculus for that deck. Yeah. That was, that was my argument that, there's not even a card you're that excited to have in your opening hand or... Yeah, I think the card I'm probably most excited to have in my opening hand is Omen of the Sea, and that wouldn't be in my deck <laughs> if it wasn't for your own. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that's kind of how, how it goes. And I think it's one of the big perks of playing the deck, actually, is that you have that extra card. You get to play all of the things that you like. And honestly, I think this Wandering Emperor is one of my favorite cards they've printed in a while. It's just really fun to play. It's, just, it's like good interactive magic in a way that, like, I don't find Planeswalkers particularly fun to play with generally. I find this Planeswalker quite fun. Just it acting like it's like the Divine Verdict slash kind of, like, make a blocker end of turn. I just... It, 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 suits, it suits what I like doing, and I enjoy playing it. So yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely my choice at the moment in Pioneer. But it definitely doesn't seem like it's a deck that's doing well very much. I mean, there's one copy in, across the two top eights this weekend. You know, so it pops up here and there, but, you know... If I was really going to go and try and win a tournament, I wouldn't. I don't think I would choose it. Yeah, the Wandering Emperor is such a great design. It's mm. super different, and it doesn't feel. You don't have that feeling of despair when, you know, they have the Wandering Emperor. Like, well, it's annoying, and they get value, and I need to maybe play around it. But it's not not overwhelmingly powerful. Yeah, exactly. It just it just has a great great play pattern to it. Is doesn't is it's really unique for a planeswalker. Yeah, I think someone in chat actually mentioned that uh, one of the downsides of playing six eighty cards is that you're worse against combo decks, and that's definitely true. I think that you know, if you want to if you want to look at your sideboard and say, okay, I'm, I can make space for like you know two or three cards that will be good against Lotus Bloom or Lotus Field or whatever, then like you just draw them less frequently, and that's that's worse for you. But uh, that's a concession I think I'm willing to make for the, the sake of really having a big edge against, you know, decks like Phoenix and, um, and blue red control. Yeah. At least I feel like I have a big edge against those matchups. Uh, maybe it's just cause I don't lose them. And that, that's a, that's a matchup I'm used to playing and, uh, very comfortable navigating despite maybe I'm at a small disadvantage. Yeah. What about the Winota matchup? You have a lot of wraths. Um, you have, counter spells and they don't really do very much in the kind of like first couple of turns that you care about so much so you can actually afford to kind of like take your time and counter some things so you can hold up Dobbin you can you can usually navigate the game to a point where you can hold up Dobbin's veto while you wrath them uh, that's how I found it at the very least but I've only played it twice now and I've beaten it twice yeah. but... do you have four verdicts in your main deck yeah I, I just I I started with like three, three, three farewell, three verdict, and I just have two farewell, four verdict now. Three farewell, that's insane. Yeah, that's, that's the first list I started with. Yeah. Uh, I think I had three farewell. 
Yeah, most that I have not had the full verdict. Most lists only played pre-verdict, and I think that was one of the cards I added right away because just so many creature decks and yeah, really, I, I mean, really I need them. Yeah, I, especially I don't have very many portable holes. I only have like three portable holes and two faithful absences, so I just yeah, I just had the four verdicts. That's been good. It's been fine for me. Um, yeah, I just don't have a huge amount to report on that. On, on that, I just like I played two leagues with it just because I was like bored and wanted to kind of watch the taste of losing horribly with blue red out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a few weeks or months before getting into Pioneer. Seriously, I don't really need to get into it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's there. sensible. We have a lot of you have a lot of things of a lot of things pulling your attention in different directions. Yeah. Uh, so. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, upcoming sure. upcoming tournament and like you know your early experiences with the new set, new standard set? Yeah, there was a early access event that's that's back, and it was kind of funny because some players got snobbed. We're not too sure how you know who made the lists. I'm guessing it's just you know. It's basically an event where people, content creators, streamers, YouTubers get a god account on Arena on a separate server, I think, and you can play the set before everyone else, and they used to do that, and then they stopped, and now they're doing it again, and I guess they need to figure out their list. So like LSV didn't get an account, Arna didn't get an account, Sam Black didn't get an account. I didn't even ask for anything. I got an account. I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone really asked, but no one even knew it was happening, I think. And then people got emails a few weeks ago and stuff. So it was cool. I got to play, you know, six, seven hours of new standard, best of one. I tried most of the shards or whatever they're called. I tried everything but Grixis, I believe. I also tried a four color deck. And I mean, everyone was wondering, obviously, how good Omnixilis was going to be the new Planeswalker. We're talking yeah, about, yeah, we're talking about Wandering Emperor and how great of a design it was, and that was strong but not unbeatable. And Omnixilis has been really good in my experience for me against me, even though I've actually only played against one person playing Omnixilis. I was kind of the one being being kind of a tryhard and playing uh playing Omnixilis a bunch, and and the card was really strong. What I did is I got the suggestions from. You know, my chat and I think Crokey's maybe came up with the idea or, you know, they built it on his stream. And what he did is he was just playing Red Black Splashing for Chariot, a Seeker's Chariot. In theory, you can even copy Mixless because you can make a copy of the copy. That didn't happen in my games, but deck was really strong. I was just playing the two vamps that give you a Blood Vial, Deadly Dispute, Search for Removal. Fable, you know, Fable's just a great card. And then I shared it as my only green cards. And the splash was super free. And I don't say that lightly. You know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, the splash is free, this is free, that's free. And it's really not. But in this case, it's a as free as it gets anyways, because you just get to play eight pathways in slots where you would be playing basics anyways. So that's basically free. And then you're playing four triumphs. And if you didn't play green, you would probably want extra dual lands. You got, you know, the good dual lands. You get your pathway and your check lands, the one that come into play on tapped if you have feral more lands. 
I was going to say the manner in the standard format looks like it's going to be incredibly good. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some those those check lands are some of the best lands we've had printed in a long time, I think. They're really, really good. Yeah, you've got these lands, you got the pathways, and you got the triumphs. And you would you would play honestly if you were playing two colors, you would probably want it a few extra dual lands anyway. So you'd have to play there's the ones that come in play tap and that you can sack for four mana, I think, or two mana to draw a card, or you can play the one that comes in play tap that gains a life. So you're not unhappy to play you know, try them anyways, just have extra black, extra red, and you get, yeah. play, you get splash. And then you chariot. get a chariot, and chariot's obviously a sick magic card. Yeah. Yeah. And so, to, your, to your point, the mana is so, so good because a lot of the cards don't cost double. You know, it's a lot of free color card, and they don't have double casting costs in their, you know, there's not a lot of the good cards that have double CC in their casting costs, and those who do usually cost four mana or more. It's like the Wandering Emperor is one of the big ones. So mana is extremely good. And I think the way most free color decks are gonna build their mana base, it's gonna be the Trium and then the 12 Pathways because you wanna be able to play your two drop on on two, you know, you, you can't just have all yeah. ones that come and play untapped. I think that, that 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 last point is really important, and I was because I was going to ask you, what do you think are the best ways to kind of start addressing Obnixilus? Because if we assume that a card like Obnixilus is going to be one of the best things to be doing in the, in the newer standard format, two planeswalkers on turn three is no joke. So I think one of the best ways to counteract that is you have to be getting on board on turns one and two, and so having tap lands on those turns is pretty unreasonable. I think. Yeah. You really need access to casting powerful two drops. Yeah, hard to say. I only played best of ones, and I was mostly winning with the Omnixilus deck. The one game I lost where I felt it was kind of fair is I just lost to a banned, banned good stuff deck. They just went over the top, and they had Yasharn that was pretty annoying because I couldn't get extra value out of my treasures and my blood vials. So I do believe the other, other color combinations have pretty strong cards, some strong synergies. I tried Bant, which was, I was pretty impressed with the, as I said, you know, I lost it and I was impressed playing with them, just the, the shield cards. The one card that was pretty cool is the six mana angel. It's a five, five flying for two white and four. It comes into play with two shield counters. And when it comes into play or attacks, you can remove a counter from a creature you control to make a one, one and draw a card. So typically you can play it and you can remove one of the two shield counters to make a 1-1 one, one draw a card and then when you attack you can do it you can maybe play it with the five mana elspeth that puts counters on your creatures or Peladar's retreat and yeah the yeah. shield mechanic is seems pretty good to me as well it's a kind of nice twist on hexproof i think yeah no shield's really good it's not quite as good as i thought it was because i didn't realize that any amount of damage removes the shield so even if your 10-10 gets blocked by a 1-1 one, one, it loses its shield counter yeah, it's actually very similar to a Hearthstone mechanical Divine Shield, yeah. which is exactly that. It just, you know, first bit of damage dealt to it, reduces zero, but yeah, any yeah. amount of damage. And I felt like Bant was maybe the most fun I had playing because there was the, um, the four drop, the Bant four drop, they're kind of, you know, the the lead of the whatever they're called. You know, each, um, each free color combination has their their leader and that's the, the one that lets you play cards from the top 
as long as you, as an extra cost, you have to remove a counter from a creature you control. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like future sight, but you just have to always have a, so long as you have a plus or plus one counter or something to remove, you can future sight. Exactly. Except you That's... can't play lands, but that was fun. And but you can't play lands, Abu. And then I had red and seven to get rid when I had land on top, and I was kind of, kind of popping off. Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. Naya looked kind of decent. You know, the token stuff was, was decent. Yeah, that's just a go-wide, kind of just generic go-wide strategy, right? Yeah, the new two-drop Gallag Gal Readers. Okay. There's good support for that from the, the kind of existing cards as well. Like, obviously, Chariot is uh, yeah. a pretty powerful card in a strategy like that. Yeah, Chariot. Um, Grixis, I did not try. I did play against someone who made good use of Grixis of the Ascendancies. The Ascendancies are not super good, but the Grixis one lets you play a card, a spell from your graveyard if you sack a creature, and they were playing Eye Witch and the card that makes a bunch of devils burn down the house. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and they were casting Invoke Despair over and over again. Invoke Despair is, is a strong card in, in the format if you can cast it, so that was, that was one of the cooler decks Invo I played Invoke against. Despair is the, uh, the, the black the yeah. Invoke card, which is kind of like, it's like four black and one. And it makes them sacrifice a creature or a planeswalker or one, or something like that, and then they lose two draw two, lose two draw a card. Yeah, yeah that, that, card, yeah. They actually play a bit in modern in that in your first deck. That beautiful, beautiful Cabal Coppers deck. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember that card from that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Esper. So, yeah, uh, I was gonna say Esper felt the weakest to me so far because it doesn't have the the strong synergies. It has some some good cards. Like Esper Charm? No, nah, that charm's terrible. Obscure Charm, no, nah, that card's bad. <laughs> but the, um, the free drop's pretty good there, leader. The the Sphinx, the one four that connives. That card is is pretty strong, you know, in a vacuum. There's also the the Esper four drop. That's a free one, uh, Flash Lifelink, where you can bounce a spell to their land, uh, a spell to their hand, and it connives. So these cards look good on paper, but the problem is you don't really have the super lady in power. And it's kind of, if you miss a beat, if you let things get out of hand for a second, then your your cards are a little too fair. So... Classic Esper. Yeah, it feels like, you know, I was trying to build the, the deck more in a proactive way because the removal was just not that great, you know, when you have to... Vanishing versus a fable or voidra and something, and they're two for one in you, and the removal is kind of slow and clunky, and it feels bad. So I was like, I'm just gonna play a bunch of two drops and planeswalkers and the one for flying sphinx and the free one, and kind of try to curve out snowball, maybe a few planeswalkers at top end, and maybe something like that can work. The, the card that a lot of people were impressed by, and it was kind of obvious. I think people didn't, you know, didn't miss it during previous season. Is the underdog? It's a free two for black and one, and it has blitz black black two, meaning you can put it in play. Oh black yeah, and has haste, and when it dies, you draw a card, and you can blitz it from the graveyard, paying two life. Yeah, so like you just, it's like four mana draw a card in the late game, but it's also like a 3 2 for two yeah, in the early game. Yeah, yeah it's pressure and sustain. Yeah, yeah, it does cost you two life, I think, no matter how you blitz it, but yeah, you can just blitz it over and over from your graveyard. And that card yeah, is, very cool. is, is super, super strong. And, yeah. And, and yeah, that card, Amixilis, the six mana angel, impressed me. 
but yeah, Mixolus seems to be the real deal. And uh, I didn't hear anyone who said otherwise. And obviously, everyone was like, "So is it getting banned?" Blah blah blah. Oh, can we? Are we already there? Like, it's yeah. not even out on online yet, and we're already talking like that. Yeah. I mean, you're playing best. People are playing best of one. Like, I understand the card's powerful, but like, it's best of one on the on the server where like people are just doing random things. Yeah, and it's also standard. You know, you don't have to have twelve viable decks if you have. You know, a good Mixless deck and then a bunch of decks trying to prey on that and a bunch of, you know, usually that's what a good standard is. It's like a good deck yeah. or yeah. maybe a good couple of good decks. About, you know, three or four decks maybe. <laughs> and then people preying on the good decks and then people preying on the people preying on the good decks and you kind of have that rock, paper, scissors and yeah. we'll, we'll I, see. I, I do feel, I, I think that people have forgotten what, what a standard format actually is supposed to look like because... They're, they're poisoned by the idea that like there's like 30 you're supposed to be able to play like 10 decks or 30 decks or whatever like a mo- like modern might be like you know historically like 10 10 or 10 or 20 good decks mm-hmm. that could realistically win a to- tournament on any, any given day and standards just never like that and honestly if there was a whole bunch of decks that were just all kind of varying degrees of kind of okay i don't think standard would be particularly good the the joy of standard, at least in the past for me, has been the idea of like it's the it's the metagame that it's easiest to kind of like pin down and predict on a given day, mm-hmm. and it and it evolves relatively rapidly because it's there's such a huge difference between you know if it says a three deck metagame like if it's a rock paper scissors metagame like if you know scissors is good then you know you know that you know today's a good day to be playing rock and a bad day to be playing paper and you know. The, then it evolves and like everything shifts in a big in a bigger meaningful way. And that's that's why standard's been enjoyable historically in the past. And so yeah, I, I hope that people kind of just enjoy a good thing. And hopefully this card is obviously not way too good and oppressive. And that would be you know, that's this is all said assuming this card is not like horribly oppressive, but uh, people must love love band talk and I don't know. You and I just come from an era where band talk is kind of like whatever. Like just it was just not the done thing for kind of twenty five years, basically. Yeah. No, I just it was like, unheard of. You know, I just play with the cards they tell me to play with, and I try to make the best of it. And precisely, yeah, that's a good attitude to have. I think. Are there? I got. I got one question. I can't. I can't remember. Are there any good sweepers in the format? There's still Doomscore that's legal, but I'm not sure if control decks are really going to be able to keep up with Chariot and Mixless, some of the other things. I was There's... more worried about. I was more worried about like, does Obnixilus deck have access to a sweeper? That means that it's hard to kind of get on board to pressure it. Because that's that's my biggest fear. I think is that like, and something that's happened. It seems to have happened a lot recently, where it's like, aggro decks just don't really exist. Like you can't just like cast a bike. You know, you can't just have like some twelve one drop aggro deck and have it be really good. I guess mono white's okay at the moment. Well, you but, want to play cheap yeah. creatures in your Mixless deck because you want to be able to pay the casualty cost on turn three, right? And a Mixless just gets get, gets better in aggressive shell because the the plus one of making them choose between discard and pay two life is just better when you're pressuring their life total, and at some point they can't just keep paying two life, you know. That's true, and I guess I guess yeah, it's only just the kind of attrition stuff only really makes sense if your opponent's not really doing anything proactive yeah yeah okay all right well i'm i'm excited to hear the the, the set's been interesting do you think it's going to have a massive impact overall on standard or do you think it's just yeah i think it's going to have a huge impact i don't know maybe i'm just biased because i've 
the early access event and people were, you know, going out of their way to try the new cards. And we're seeing a lot of the new cards that have, you know, win games and stuff, but maybe, you know, wedding announcements still going to be one of one of the best cards and Luminarch Aspirant and this and that. So maybe maybe I'm a bit biased, but I do feel like the, the power level is there and it's it's going to be a... I also think standard's not that big right now, right? I mean, I'm not sure this you is, would this know. Is, no, but... this, no, this eight set standard. Yeah. This is huge. This is this is as big as standard gets. Oh, really? I hmm. Yeah, I think it's due to rotate. Okay. Relatively soon. Yeah, because it's all the way from like Zendikar, right? Goes all the way back to I'm just terrible when it comes down to that stuff. Yeah, it's fine. No, I think this is big standard, and almost yeah. as big as it gets. But yeah, you have you have burned down the house as far, far as sweepers go. Maybe that card could be good. Uh, people were casting that card a bunch. Another cool one is Depopulate. It's the new wrath. It's two white and two, and it says oh, that's like... you draw a card if you control a gold creature, and then it's a sweeper. You know. So yeah, it's anyone who controls a gold creature draws a card, right? Yeah, so you could maybe play it in some kind of you know mid range two or three color deck with your own gold creature. This way, you have creatures, but also sweeper. And when you cast a sweeper, you at least get to draw a card. You can even imagine playing it with shield. You know, I don't know how good that would be, but there's the the band two one double strike for free mana, band mana. It comes into play with the shield counters. So you could imagine just the curve of playing that creature turn four. Sweep the board, except you draw a card and you get to keep your creature. That sounds kind of sweet, but I don't know if in practice it's there's going to be a lot of matchups where that's something that's an exciting line or you know good good enough to build your decks this way. Right. Well, yeah. Is there anything more you want to you you want to get into on on the latest set, or should we put our lives on the line? No, I don't have the the craziest in, inside besides you know what what, we, what I just shared. You've officially shared your craziest insight for the, for the time being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. So life on the line. Do you want to do standard? I don't really know what we can say about new standard at this point in time. So do you just want to do modern and pioneer? Yeah, I mean standard. Out out of the decks I tried, probably just red black splash chariot was mixless. Let me my first choice and maybe that's what I would have ben, said as well. Yeah, then good stuff. My second choice, right? Okay, so we're going to play Life on the Line now. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, Life on the Line is a theoretical tournament which being held tomorrow, and the stakes are very high. If you win, you get to continue living your life, and if you lose, well, your life ends at that point. So, yeah, you want to bring a good deck, and so historically, we have tried to establish this as a tournament where you would. Really, if if I was desperate to win a tournament tomorrow, what deck would I play? And we talk about the formats we've talked about so far in the tournament in the in the podcast. So today we do modern and pioneer. Gab, what are you going to play in modern? In modern, I'm just going to play the Tameshi Bloom combo deck. I'm ready. All right. Yeah, life on the line in yeah a league. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm playing blue red Murktide because that's just my jam, and I actually think it's really good. All right, pioneer. What what have you got? I have to put my life on the line in this wretched format. I'm sorry that you absolutely have to. <sighs> pioneer, pioneer, pioneer. Let me just pick a deck list at random. I'm screwed either way. You know what? I guess I'll just play Mono Green, uh, Mono Green Devotion. Putting, putting, putting your life in Harry's hands. It's a bold play. Yep. 
I'm going to play Winota again because I'm... I, I've never played it. In, I don't, I've never played a single game with Winota, but I put my trust in the fact that that deck is very solid and very good. And so yeah. that if I was gonna, if I was playing Pioneer tomorrow, I'd definitely definitely pick up Winota and try to win it, win the tournament. Right. right. That brings us to the end of the episode, I guess. If you made it this far, thank you very much. We love you. Um, Gab, where can people find you on social media if they want to get in touch? This week, they can find me. I'm going to shout out the sponsor, Card Market. You can find me on Card Market's YouTube channel, battling RNA and Modern, playing the prices right with Storolf and Harry, uh, playing in a modern turn. A bunch of videos I shot while I was in Berlin. So check out their YouTube page. They do. Uh, Actually, yeah. I watched some of those videos. They're, 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 pretty, they're pretty reasonable quality. You guys did a good job. They're really high quality. Carl, who's in charge, puts in a ton of work, the editing. If you're looking for not just, you know, stream lazy streamers ripping their beauties to Twitch or kind of phoning it in, um, definitely give a check out Card Market's YouTube channel. Yeah, you should definitely go and check out Card, Card Market's YouTube channel. There it is. A, an actual genuine spruik from me. No, no sarcasm at all. Hmm. Um Right. You can find me anywhere on the internet as Get Smart or frantically preparing for the next eight weeks of term at university, which is just going to be hellacious, I think. I just realized how bad it's going to be this, this term. Good luck. Yeah, thanks very much. Good luck to my students, actually, more than anything else. My, 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 my life and career don't really depend on it, but their performances will. Um, anyway, if you made it this far again, yeah, thank you very much. and We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, take care.